Two. The house. I'll begin there. Someone else lives in the Haviland's house now. They've taken out the handicapped accessible ramp and cut down Ava's camellias to make an additional parking space, currently occupied by a silver hybrid SUV, from which I recently observed a pair of blonde children emerging, along with a woman who appeared to be a nanny. And as much sorrow as I feel on those rare occasions when I pass the house, I cannot separate it from the other part, which was the way I used to feel every time I pulled into the driveway, the sense that I had landed at long last in a place that felt like home. I could breathe again, and when I did, the air was thick with jasmine. I didn't live in that house, but my heart did. Ironic, saying this after everything that happened, but I felt safe at the Havilands. No doubt it is part of my story and a reason why the place held such particular significance that in the 38 years before my first visit to Folger Lane, I had seldom, if ever, known such a feeling. Back when Ava and Swift lived in this house, the first ones out of the Mercedes when she pulled up were three dogs of indeterminate breed. They're rescue dogs, she'd point out to anyone who didn't already know. Ava's vehicle had been specially equipped with an electric lift that lowered her state-of-the-art wheelchair to the ground. More often than not, I'd pull up, and there would be Ava wheeling toward me in her chair, with her free arm, the one not operating the chair, stretched out wide to greet me. I got you these fantastic leg warmers, she'd say. Or it could have been a mug, or a beautiful leather-bound journal, or honey made from bees who only frequented lavender fields. She always had some little gift for me, a sweater she'd picked up in a color I never wore that was suddenly revealed to be perfect for my skin tone, a book she thought I'd love, or a vase holding a bouquet of sweet pea blossoms. I hadn't even realized that the tread on my sneakers was worn, but Ava had, and knowing my size, and the brand I favored, or a better one, more likely, she'd bought me new ones. Who else would buy her friend a pair of shoes and a pair of striped socks to go with them? She knew I'd love them, and she was right. Sammy and Lillian, the two smaller mutts, would be licking my ankles then, and Rocco, the problematic one who always hung back, except when he decided to bite you, would run in circles the way he did when he was excited, which was always, his tail wagging crazily. And Ava, once she had a hand free, would take mine and we'd burst into the house together as she called out to Swift, Look who I brought home! Though, of course, he'd know. Ava always fed me when I came over to Folger Lane, and I always devoured what she offered me. Somewhere along the line, over the years, without noticing even, I'd lost the taste for food, lost the taste for life or close to it. That's what the Havilands gave back to me. I felt it every time I made my way up the smooth slate path to their open door, when the wave of good smells would hit me. Soup on the stove, roast chicken in the oven, a bowl of floating gardenias in every room, and drifting in from outside, the smoke from Swift's Cuban cigar. Laughter, then. Swift's big, hearty explosion of it, like a macaw in the jungle, announcing his readiness to mate. I'm making a wild guess it's Helen, he'd call out. Just hearing a man like Swift speak my name made me feel important for the first time in my life, possibly.